Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, imagine, if you will, that you were a fish. Fish, you're swimming along, and as you're swimming, you have to choose between a real easy meal of free, delicious-smelling food just hanging there in front of you, or the natural live food, little fish that takes so much to chase after and and to catch. Well, if you were the fish, which one would you choose? That piece of minnow hanging maybe through the hole in the ice and the glow of the sunshine with all the flashing sparkles that lure you toward it. It's pretty tempting, isn't it? As a fish, the distraction would make it hard to value the normal, the natural way of surviving because it seems like so much more work than just snatching that bait that's prepared for you. In the moment, as you're swimming, you might even forget the the warnings that you received from your mother when you were growing up ever since you were small, warning you about departed good old Uncle Tom the fish who gave in to the temptation and then found out that he bit into a sharp hook that ripped him out of his happy school and and flung him to fly with the birds and land among the savage squeals of human toddlers and pitiless praise of proud parents. That's what temptations are like. To tempt someone is to attempt to make them do something wrong that will hurt them by making that wrong thing look really attractive and waving it in front of their noses, like we read in James 1, verse 14. The temptation is like bait on a hook. The one who puts the bait on the hook wants to trap you. 1 Timothy 6, verse 9 speaks of temptations and snares as being equal. Well, not every fish goes for the bait, or so I've been told. And some fishermen will tell you that there are fish that see the bait, but they're not attracted by it enough to make that poor decision to bite into it. For such fish, the temptation is a test that can make them stronger. And indeed, the two words, temptation and test, are actually the same in the Greek text. We want to be like those fish who are able to face temptation without biting into it. Because we can see it as a test from God to strengthen our faith and to school us to trust in Him at all times, like we sang in Psalm 119. And so we pray. We pray the sixth petition. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And I preach to you the gospel of Jesus Christ and this theme. The Spirit of Christ makes us desire to be delivered from the evil one. And we pray, thankful that God defeated the evil one, that God defends us against evil desires, and God delivers us from evil attacks. And as we saw throughout the series on the Lord's Prayer, We begin our prayer with a certainty, a certainty of everything that we already have 
in Jesus Christ. So we, when we pray, we're like recruits in the army just going to ask for everything that has already been assigned to us. And although the conclusion of the Lord's Prayer is not found in, in all the versions of the Lord's Prayer in the Scriptures, similar words can be found in David's Prayer in 1 Chronicles 29, verses 10 to 13. It was a common way for Jewish people to end their prayers. The final words of the Lord's Prayer, they serve to remind us that we are praying to our Father and our King who has power over all things and is both willing and able to give us all that is good. We are praying to Him because we believe that He should receive all the glory forever because Christ Jesus has already obtained everything that we're seeking. We celebrate that when we think of the ascension of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can pray knowing that God's answer is true and certain. For God has much more certainly heard my prayer than I feel in my heart that I desire this of him. So we confess, we mean when we say amen. When we pray the sixth petition, there's no doubt in our minds that Christ Jesus has already defeated the evil one. And when we take our starting point from the, the for or, or the because of the certainty of God's highest glory, we know that it is completely inappropriate to give too much credit to the devil. We stand before the Lord God Almighty. It's not good to give too much attention to the devil. And we have to state this because we live in an age that is fascinated with the counterfeit miracles of the devil, fascinated with witchcraft, the depths of depravity, how wicked people can become. Ever since the fall into sin, when curiosity about the knowledge of evil, in addition to the knowledge of good, gave sudden power to a fallen angel, the human race now egged on by social media has been easily dazzled by the depths of human nature in its sinfulness, dazzled by the wickedness of the evil one, by evil dictators, by immorality, by paganism. Led by the Holy Spirit, however, we pray the words, O Lord, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one, knowing that we can be sure of the ultimate victory. For to God belongs the power and the glory forever. We could see as we pray that who is that fallen angel compared to our God? And brothers and sisters, we see that as we pray, we never need to despair, ever. We could pray for strength, knowing quite simply that the devil cannot win in any contest against our Heavenly Father. Although we are aware of the reality and the seriousness of our situation, let us ensure that as we, we pray, that we don't give any honor or any praise or worship to Satan and his forces that God has already defeated in his son, Jesus Christ. Let us pray for help on the basis of the conclusion that, 
that has already, the conclusion that has already been obtained for us in Jesus Christ. Already in Genesis 3, verse 15, the Lord made it clear that not only would Satan's power against man be limited, he would only be able to crush the heel, but also that Satan himself would be crushed by Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the promised seed of the woman. And throughout the centuries, God preserved his church. He preserved the line of the promise from the repeated attacks. But did anyone ever in the history of the world succeed in destroying the work of God? Well, the son of Adam, Abraham, and David, who was at the same time son of God, conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem. And they named the Son of God, Jesus Christ, our anointed Savior. And though he himself faced a battery of attacks and temptations to fall, our Lord Jesus did not waver in his obedience to God. He displayed his authority over the demons, over the devil himself. And today we, we, we may confess that when our Lord bought us with his precious blood, he freed us from all the power of the devil to make us his own possession. The gospel starting point of our prayer of the sixth petition is that Jesus Christ has broken the teeth of the evil one, so that he cannot have dominion in the hearts of the subjects of Jesus Christ. God the Creator is and always has been more powerful than all the angels he created, including the fallen angels who hate him and his church. At the same time, we have not yet reached the consummation of God's plan when the full number of the elect have been gathered in. And until then, the Lord in his infinite wisdom has permitted Satan to continue to roam around on the earth looking for someone to devour. We read about that in 1 Peter 5. And although that ancient serpent has only been given permission to crawl around on his belly in the dust to swallow up the corpses of all those who have rebelled against God, he doesn't care. He still tries to snatch some of the children of God when he's made alive by his Spirit. When we see this, brothers and sisters, we can know that Satan is a dog on a chain. He's cunning, he's wicked, he's a hate-filled dog who wants to undermine the eternal king by upsetting and, and attacking and distracting and, and frightening God's subjects through temptations, through the lusts, of our flesh, although he can never take possession of God's children. He can never bring Christ's body to destruction. Christians led by the Holy Spirit are wise to turn to the sovereign God to help them against such a foe so that every temptation of Satan may serve to strengthen our faith rather than destroy our lives. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus tells us to pray for this protection with confidence. The confidence of the Apostle in 1 John 4, verse 4, where he says, Little children, you are from God, and you have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. 
God defends us also from evil desires. When we pray, lead me not into temptation, lead us not into temptation, we're not imagining that God might ever try to ensnare someone by baiting them with pleasures in an attempt to make them sin. James tells us that God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. God doesn't tempt anyone in an attempt to make them sin, but he does test them, the same word, to learn the character of someone. Although Jesus, we read in, in Matthew 4 verse 1, Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The Spirit wasn't trying to make Jesus rebel against God, but he was providing Jesus with an opportunity to overcome the devil and his temptations. That way Jesus could fulfill all righteousness in our place by being obedient where Adam and Eve and all the people of God had failed. The consequences of his obedience are not only that now we are righteous in him, but also that now he is an understanding and a sympathetic high priest. When Jesus gives us his spirit to help us, he does so after being strengthened himself by angels, fully aware of how difficult it is for us men and women with our sinful hearts, how difficult it is when we are tempted by the evil one. As the Holy Spirit reveals through Paul in 2 Corinthians 2 verse 11, God knows that we too are easily outwitted by Satan's designs and so he defends us from evil desires by exposing the lies of the evil one, by revealing the vanity of temptations, by preserving a record of our Lord Jesus' temptations, the Holy Spirit shows us that the devil's strategy is to deceitfully offer us the same blessings that God has promised to us, but he offers it to us as the easy way. With his temptations, the evil one is telling us that we can have the joy, and the pleasure, and the laughter, and the satisfaction without having to obey God if we would just submit to him. We see that in his conversation with our Lord Jesus in the wilderness. Like a good fisherman, the bait that the evil one uses to trap us kind of looks like the real thing, except that it costs you your freedom. If we were not so weak, we could easily recognize the danger, but our laziness, our desire for convenience and personal comforts, that's what places us in great danger. A fish isn't attracted to the half-mangled, oddly floating piece of dead fish on your hook because it looks so realistic and natural, but because it's so easy to get a hold of. Our Father, we pray, help us to see how pitiful temptations look compared to the wonderful blessings that you have promised to us. When our sinful nature 
craves the easy way. O Lord, open our eyes to see the cost of taking hold of the bait so that we may not be attracted anymore by anything that would cause us to disobey. We're praying in the sixth petition. We pray, O Lord, help us to see the riches we have in you. Keep us away from the easy fake food that's so deadly. We may pray thankful that God has promised that he will defend us from our own evil desires. And he does this by giving his spirit within us. In Galatians 5, verses 16 to 17, we read that the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh, for they are opposed to each other to keep you from doing what you want to do. The Holy Spirit is the one who makes the temptations look less tempting by showing us that taking the bait is disobeying God and separating ourselves from the real, lasting pleasures that our Heavenly Father grants to the children who love to walk with Him. And that Holy Spirit strengthens us as we are using the instrument that He has given us, His Holy Word, as we read and study all that we have in our God, our triune God. God's Spirit helps us to see the riches of the love of Christ Jesus so we don't go looking for fake love. He helps us to see the the blessings we have in Jesus Christ and and they shine like, like this bright spotlight that fills our lives and makes any little sparkle the bait of temptations quickly lose its luster. God the Holy Spirit gives us a spirit that is willing, as our Lord Jesus said to his disciples in the garden, gives us a spirit that is willing to fight against those sinful desires of the flesh because we know where they can lead, how they lead us away from God. And we pray to God to not lead us into temptation We know, says 1 John 5, verse 18, we know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. God delivers us from evil attacks. In Ephesians 6, verses 11 to 12, that's that passage, you read about putting on the whole armor of God, In that passage, the Holy Spirit reminds us that our battle in this life is not just against flesh and blood, but also against the schemes of the devil, the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers over this present darkness, the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. The Bible also warns us that not only is the evil one like a a roaring lion, but he also masquerades as an angel of light. What a blessing it is to read together in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, that no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able 
to endure it. Our Lord Jesus taught his disciples how to endure temptations. When he told them in Matthew 6, verse 26, to watch and pray so that you do not fall into temptation. Watch so that you can see behind the scenes of every choice in your life that you are faced with. Watch so that you can begin to distinguish between bait on a hook and wonderful nourishment from the hand of God. Watch and then pray. When we are tempted to do something against the will of God, lifting your eyes up to to God on high, seeing your victorious King Jesus Christ, it it gives Christians an amazing power, an amazing refocus they need to have in order to keep things in perspective. Then you see the reality of the choice before you. When you pray, God opens your eyes to see those choices more clearly. God, as it were, he turns on the lights so that you can see what it was your sinful nature was actually desiring, just as others in the room would see it. Every time that Jesus was tempted by the devil, his mind went to God, to God's promises. It's like he was comparing Satan's offer there in the desert with God's promises. He put the temptation he was facing in the light of the riches that he already had with God. And he replied to Satan, it is written. And again, it is written. And again, it is written. He turned to scriptures, to the promises. The Lord Jesus was not equipped with any special powers that we do not have today in order to resist the devil. We can experience the same victory when we pray regularly, when we immerse ourselves in the promises that God has already given to us in his word. God's spirit guides us through the Bible and gives us a a change, the transformed will, so that we want to glorify God to rely on him in prayer so that we are equipped to respond to danger with the God-given natural responses of fight and flight. Sometimes the way to escape a temptation is flight, to flee away from it. Our Lord Jesus told us that his sheep will flee from strangers because they do not know the voice of a stranger. John 10, verse 5. The Holy Spirit leads God's people to flee from sexual immorality, 1 Corinthians 6, to flee from idolatry. We read that in 1 Corinthians 10. To flee from the love of money and its snares, to flee from youthful passion, 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, and to hate even the garment that is stained by the flesh, Jude 23. We escape temptation by leaving the party, by turning off the computer, by putting our phone away, by fleeing to to find better things to do with our time and our energy. Part of the dying of the old nature, we confess, is to hate 
and flee from sin. The fish that flees when he hears the sound of your lure hitting the water on its way into the school is a fish that you will not catch. Although many people might think that you are strange because you do not want to participate with them in their same debauchery. Your flight to save your soul is a flight that pleases God. Sometimes the way to escape temptation and be delivered from the evil one is to fight. Many of the Psalms, they picture situations. And as you sing the Psalms, you can picture yourself in, in a similar situation. Maybe not enemies really attacking you with, with, sold, with, with swords and, and spears, but the, the temptations, the attractions, they seem to be all around. You feel cut off and distant from God, surrounded by evil attackers. It feels like you, you can't get out. Maybe you've had it where God is testing you by making it impossible to, to flee and you have to face that temptation straight on. By God's grace, you recognize the danger, you pray to God for strength and then what do you do? The Holy Spirit tells us clearly in James 4, verse 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. After describing the devil as a roaring lion, Peter urges the church, saying that we are to resist our adversary, the devil. It will not be a long struggle because the devil knows that you are off limits to his scavenging but led by the Spirit, we will fight. Like a trout that has the, the hook in his mouth, will dive and, and will jump and will spit and will splash. So we too, as God's children, knowing of the better things we have, we will continue to fight. And in Christ, we win. Because he that is in us is greater than he who is in the world. God has spoken. Our God is with us in the struggle, like a strong father will always be there to back up and pick up and set up his child, even as that child is, is learning to walk. Our brothers and sisters in the congregation are also with us so that together as a body we can help each other to be more equipped to scorn temptation with growing maturity. When we are there together in our, in our classrooms, as Christians, we help each other fighting, not by luring each other to do what is wrong, but by helping each other to scorn what is displeasing to God and to praise what honors Him. Perhaps we may even reach the point where we together encouraging one another, we might reach the point where we don't even resent temptations as if they are intruders, but actually see these temptations as another opportunity to strengthen our faith, to give us fortitude on our journey, to help us to, to grow strong together. We are like children learning to walk. 
We get bruised, but we also become more watchful, more dependent on God in prayer, quicker to flee, quicker to recognize danger, and more aggressive in our fight. And so we pray, Lord, guide us by your Spirit so that we don't become intimidated by the evil one, soft in our approach to his designs and vulnerable to his temptations. You are sovereign, O Lord, and our confidence, as we pray, lies not in ourselves, but in your fatherly love and your uncontested strength. The evil one has been defeated. The spiritual war we are in is temporary. The daily battles even shorter. The final victory is guaranteed. May your name receive all the glory throughout our lives. For yours is the power and the glory forever. Amen.